Back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be looking at the Rich Paul rule, the Rich Paul situation, his influence in the NBA, and um, I guess the sort of college basketball NBA situation that is taking place um, and how this is uh, working out. So, most people by now have probably heard of Rich Paul. He is probably one of the most influential agents. He is part of Clutch Sports, and his stars include LeBron, John Wall, Anthony Davis, and Ben Simmons. LeBron James is his most um, closest uh, client and friend. Um, he is someone who is very, very uh, big in terms of agents, and there is... Um, a growing movement of people who want to put him down. And so they created this Rich Paul rule, the NCAA, which basically states that you need to have a college degree to be an agent and to represent college basketball players. Rich Paul doesn't have uh, that. And yeah, so college basketball is putting him down in that way. And he is upset. NBA players are upset. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Rich Paul because of the whole Anthony Davis situation. I believe that Rich Paul, with the help of LeBron James, twisted the hands of the Celtics, twisted the hands of the Pelicans, the Lakers, so that a deal could get done because everybody knew that the Lakers had no shot at any other free agents or trade partners. And so that's why I don't like Rich Paul. But I don't believe that he should be excluded from something just because he doesn't have a college degree if he's a good agent and if he's been doing it for so long what is the the problem there if he was a newer agent and didn't have any clients and was trying to get in then maybe you can make a rule um like that but um just looking at it face value um just like in anything back in the day you didn't need a college degree for certain jobs and then it became more college degree uh requirements and so Obviously, someone without a college degree who's been working and doing this before doesn't deserve to get cut out just because they didn't have the degree when they started. It's a different time, and so I don't have a problem with Rich Paul um, presenting clients um, in college or in the NBA. So, yeah. So this rule is kind of stupid um, for him. I'd change the name, but I think if you want to make it something going forward, that is something I am okay with. I don't think... Um, excluding which Paul is the right idea, but someone else in the future, you know, they should know that they need a college degree. But Rich Paul shouldn't be penalized because he's been doing this for a while. All right, so this leads to another issue that has become prevalent, um, the one-and-done rule, um, the issues in the NBA and college basketball, and the situation at hand. So when basketball started, players came out of college and originally players were drafted based on their location. So if was from New York, they would be drafted by the Knicks. Um, if someone was from Philadelphia, they would be drafted uh, from that team, the Celtics, if they're from the Boston area or they went to college in that area. So um, the NBA was that. Then it went to a period where there were players who didn't go to college. You have Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant and Kendrick Perkins and and Dwight Howard, just to name a few. And then it became a new rule, one and done, where you had to play at least one season um, of college basketball, and then you could be entered to the draft. So the NBA is now trying to change that back to no college basketball requirements. 
and uh, Adam Silva has talked about it. He has talked about having a developmental league for players to go instead of college basketball, which uh, it could make some sense. It happens in Europe. Opinion, this is what I believe. Players should be able to, out of high school, go uh, and enter the draft. Then what I believe is during the summer months, um, these kids will develop with their team. They'll spend the June, July, and August developing with their basketball team. And during the season, they'll go to college. So spend at least two years, freshman year and sophomore year requirement in college. And during the summer when college is off, they will go and play in a developmental basketball league with young players uh, who are um, on that squad. So it'll basically be practicing playing scrimmages, playing games against, you know, other college uh, players who are drafted by NBA teams or guys who are basically graduated from college, didn't get drafted, and are trying to prove something. So if you don't get drafted during, um, after high school, you go to college, and then you can, uh, I guess, go for the draft again. And try to develop with a team. Uh, and so I think this is good because then you'll get to basically learn the NBA system with that team. And then you'll get to go to college, which will help the NCAA. So these big name players will be in college for two years. And they'll still get the chance to get NBA minutes playing in a developmental summer type basketball league. Um, I think it'll work. And so um, I think it's a good way to... Um, do that. I think uh, one thing that you can do is, um, you know, train these guys to be ready for the NBA because I think a lot of college basketball players are good in college and they come to the NBA and they don't work out because they came too early and they should have stayed an extra year and people make a big deal about it. So I feel like, in my opinion, that's the best situation. So you get, um, go through high school. After high school, you can enter the draft. If you get drafted, you still go to college for two years and you develop over the summer um, when school's out with your team. You play uh, some scrimmages, you play some games against other teams with players who are in the same situation. And eventually what you get is veteran players who are, you know, similar situation to Europe where they get to develop and then sometimes they come to the NBA, sometimes they stay there. So... I think this is a good situation. Um, I think the one-and-done rule doesn't really make sense because now you have schools like Kentucky who base their whole program on one-and-done prospects and their team's starting lineup is four freshmen and some random transfer who's a junior. And so I think it'll help because, you know, you're already going to an NBA team so you can choose a different college than the traditional Duke um, you know, or North Carolina, because then you'll get the chance to play in different places. And also, you don't have to worry about going to the best program in hopes to get a top draft choice. You're already going to be drafted to a team. So it's a pretty good situation. It helps college basketball. I think it helps the smaller markets in college basketball because, you know, you can go to a team like North Carolina State instead of going to Duke or North Carolina. You could go to a team like Central Florida instead of Florida or Florida State or Miami, 
So it'll give these smaller markets, uh, smaller colleges, a chance to get good players. So I think that's um, some way you can go of it because, well, I don't think the system currently is flawed. I think, you know, the NBA and college basketball, there's a big difference. So I think if you can kind of get the best of both worlds, then I think it's a good situation um, moving forward. And then after, you know, you can still stay in college after your two years and still kind of develop if the NBA team feels like, hey, you know, two years isn't enough. We need you to stay for another year and develop, then, you know, that's a good situation. You can play another year or two, and when you're done, come over. And so I think that's a great situation, and I think it's a good way to develop your players. So this is, uh, yeah, something that I think really is something the NBA should look at because, um, yeah, it's a flawed system a little bit, and there's always ways to change it up. So I like it. We'll see what happens. The next uh, topic I want to talk about is an injury that has big ramifications for um, their roster. And it is the Lakers and DeMarcus Cousins. So DeMarcus Cousins hasn't had a fully healthy season since he was in Sacramento. He played with uh, New Orleans and he was injured for a good portion of that tenure. And then he went to Golden State where... He was out for most of the season he joined, which was fine because they didn't need him right away. Last season, he was injured. Now he is injured, probably out for a majority of the season with the Los Angeles Lakers. And so if you look at what the Lakers, where their roster is uh, right now, um, they have a few big men, but they don't really have um, a lot of uh, players that can fill in for the DeMarcus Cousins role. So um, their starting lineup at the moment would have had DeMarcus Cousins in it. Um, and looking at their big man, looking at um, their depth chart in terms of uh, players, their only big man is JaVale McGee, DeMarcus Cousins' injury. The players that they have who can play uh, the big man positions Costas Antetokounmpo is a power forward. They have Devontae Kaycock, who was from Summer League. They have Jordan Caroline, who is Summer League. Uh, Anthony Davis. They have Jared Dudley, who is a power forward, small forward. They have Ark Holman, who is a Summer League guy. They have LeBron James, but he's more of a small forward, and he's going to play point guard for them. And they have uh, Kyle Kuzma. So... If you look at their roster, it looks like um, Anthony Davis is going to be their center. And it sounds like he didn't want to be center. Uh, he made comments saying he does not want to play the center position. LeBron doesn't want to play power forward. And I don't think LeBron is. He's going to play point guard, shooting guard, small forward. He is a small forward by trade, but he'll be a point forward, it seems like. Um, and so this is not good for Anthony Davis. This is not good for the Lakers because the Lakers plan was to have DeMarcus Cousins as your starting center and have Anthony Davis at the four and have Anthony Davis get minutes, slight minutes, at the forward center um, with uh, Kuzma in the lineup and then you'd bring in uh, JaVale McGee. So you'd have your starter who would be DeMarcus Cousins. Then for a few minutes you'd have um, Anthony Davis at the four Five, then you would have uh, JaVale McGee come in, and it would kind of be a rotation there. But now, 
Anthony Davis is going to be asked to start at the center. And then when you bring in JaVale McGee, he will move to the forward. Which, I don't know if he wants to do that. I don't think he wants to do that. Um, I think he wants to play power forward, which is more his style, which is more his, you know, his play. And, you know, last season he played a lot of center. He didn't really want to. I think um, Anthony Davis is better as a four. I think that's where he wants to be. Um, and uh, I think this is really uh, a big blow for um, the Lakers. And so the Lakers are basically operating on a system of players who are, you know, not wash-ups, but um, if you look at most of their roster, the only guys who are not making minimum money, Anthony Davis and Danny Green and LeBron James, because Kuzma is still on a rookie deal. He was drafted at the end of the first round, so he's making over a million dollars. Most of these guys, though, are um, basically just, you know, minimum contracts and so um right now it's uh going to be interesting to see how the lakers will work with that um i don't think the lakers are going to be the greatest team in the western conference i think personally golden state denver portland and the clippers are all better than the lakers for sure and i think it's not going to be the lakers in the western conference finals as much as you have lebron james and anthony davis that's all you got you have a lot of issues. You have a first-year head coach. You have an assistant coach who maybe a lot of people feel like could be a head coach in Jason Kidd. And your roster is filled with a bunch of young guys and a bunch of veterans. And so it's going to take a while for this team to kind of get their stride together. And they don't have a lot of shooting, to be honest with you. If you look at their shooters, um, I think Alex Crusoe has that ability. Quinn Cook. Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, Danny Green, um, and Kuzma a little bit. But none of those guys are really big-time shooters besides Danny Green. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers go because the Lakers have so many issues. Just because they added Anthony Davis doesn't mean all of these issues just vanish like nothing happened. There are a lot of issues that are, the team's going to have to look at, and we're all going to have to see how it works out and pans out. And, you know, it's something that's going to – be something we have to watch and so this season I don't think the Lakers will figure their stride I think this is going to be another year of kind of figuring it out with Anthony Davis they'll make the playoffs for sure but I don't think they'll get past the second round and I think there's a lot of issues that are going to come up that are going to cause issues and yeah I think that's where we're at and I think that's where uh, we're going to be so it's going to be something to, to look forward to. NBA put out their schedules and um, looking at how it goes, the Los Angeles Lakers will take on the Clippers on the 22nd. Um, that is their first game. It's a good game. Uh, it's going to be uh, something on television. And it's going to be the game to watch because those two teams are very, very good Um and it's going to be uh, a sight to watch um, just the way the schedule is. Um, and those two teams will be fighting in the playoffs. And I think for the first time in a long time, you're going to see um, you know, a battle in Los Angeles, which I don't think we've ever gotten. Um, the Warriors are going to get to play the Clippers in their first game at home. 
it'll be on the 24th. Um, and then when you go to the Boston Celtics, they are going to be playing their first game, I believe, against the Philadelphia 76ers um, on the 23rd. It'll be in Philadelphia. Then they play the Raptors. So they have a, a pretty tough stretch of games. 76ers, Raptors, Knicks, and the Bucks, which are three good teams. And then the Knicks are thrown in there um, as well. So you look at that. Um, if you go to the Milwaukee Bucks and their schedule, um, their first game is against the Rockets on the 24th, which is a very good game. Uh, then they play Miami. Um, I think I'm guessing that's Houston's first game as well. Um, their first game. Uh, and so they play the Rockets, the Pelicans, the Thunder. Uh, some good games there. Um, looking at the Utah Jazz, their schedule, their first game is going to be on the 23rd against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, looking at the Denver Nuggets, their schedule is the Trailblazers in their first game, which I was actually going to look at the Trailblazers next. So that is going to be a good matchup on the 23rd. You have the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. Then you have the Nuggets and Trailblazers. So, um... We've been getting the schedule, um, and we've been looking at it, and yeah, it's very good. So one of the things that the NBA has been doing in recent years is trying to get rid of back-to-backs, you know, games. And so I believe, um, just looking at the Celtics as an example, they have um, a lot less back-to-back games. Um, a lot of them are on the road and then at home, or two road games, or two home games, um, but I think the NBA is trying to, um, just with load management purposes and the fact that there are a lot of injuries, trying to get rid of the back-to-back games because it's sometimes very difficult to do if you're playing a game at home and then you have to go the next day to another city. So if you're in Boston and you're playing a game and then you have to go all the way to Miami the next day uh, for a game that night, it's um, something, you know, players get tired, um, and yes, there'll be stretches where they have to play, you know, four out of the their five days, or they have to play four out of six days, and so there'll be a few back-to-backs here and there, um, but the NBA is trying to limit that. The NBA has been trying to find ways to make their players healthier, keep their players staying healthy, because... I feel like every single year, there is one or two big-name players who just get injured. Last year, it was Victor Oladipo. This year, it's Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Um, we've seen Paul George. Uh, there is always, it seems like, someone who gets hurt, and they're out for the year or most of the year, and it's a big deal. And so the NBA is trying their best to make situations where it's easier for their players to stay healthy. And... One of those things is back-to-back games and load management. And so, you know, back in the day, Jordan played every single game he could. Nowadays, LeBron and Anthony Davis and Giannis and all these guys are not going to play a lot of games during the regular season. For example, when the Celtics play, you know, against the Atlanta Hawks or they play against, um, you know, Phoenix, they're probably not going to always play their best players because these are games that they're expecting to win and they're going to load manage so that they have guys rested and healthy for the games against Golden State and Philadelphia, which are a lot better, a lot more playoff-ready matchups. So 
we're going to see a lot more load management. I think NBA teams are trying to find the best ways to do that, whether it's keeping their best players out for a couple of games or you know, not making them play every single game during the week. If you're playing five games during the week, not having LeBron James play all five, having him play four games or three games, depending on you know how the, the games uh, work out. And so I think the NBA is just trying to work on that and trying to make it so you know, their players are healthier, especially during the playoffs, because that affects ratings, you know. Players, if LeBron James is hurt, people don't go to the Lakers games as much. If Giannis is hurt, people don't go to the Milwaukee Bucks games as much. I'm pretty sure the sales for tickets with Indiana slightly went down because of the fact that he got hurt last year. And so, yes, there are games people are always going to go to, but there are a lot of games against teams that aren't that good, such as Sacramento or Atlanta, um, where you're going to see the Indiana Pacers last year didn't get as many ticket sales because Oladipo was out, and that's who they want to see. So it affects the NBA on a large scale in all aspects, not just the team, but sales of tickets and just TV ratings and everything. So the NBA has been trying their best to work with teams to kind of let their players help get better, rest, relax, and be ready um, for the playoffs and for the regular season games near the end of the season. So there's definitely in the beginning going to be a lot more, you know, uh, load management, you know, letting players sit out a few games here and there just to see if they can get themselves back up to a good level. They can be healthy moving forward.